Do you want to know the secret that will change your life? That was the claim of a self-help book by uh, Rhonda Byrne, Byrne, I'm not quite sure how to say it. She published it about 14 years ago. Clearly lots of people did want to know the secret because she sold over 30 million books and the book has been translated into about 50 different languages. But the basic message of the book seems to be this. You need to understand the power of positive thinking. See, according to a book, your life right now is a reflection of your past thoughts. Uh, and so you can use your mind, according to a book, uh, by applying your mind, you, you, your, your thoughts are like a magnet, emitting and receiving frequencies from the universe, and you can create your own future just by the power of your own positive thoughts. Now, that sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? But of course, if that worldview is correct, then it's all down to you. It's all down to you to be your own personal saviour. If your life is difficult or, or even desperate, well, you've only got yourself to blame, really. Uh, you're only getting what you deserve for all the negative thinking that you had in the past. You only have yourself to blame. And the truth is, is that anyone who's lived uh, for a few years realizes <clears throat> it's not so easy to change your thinking, nor to deal with the shame and the guilt of the past. And even the most positive people also get diseases and experience death. And so this alleged secret has no power to deal with the biggest challenges of life. In the, in the storms of life's difficulties and doubts, I need power from outside of myself. Now, as we've been reading through Mark's biography of Jesus, we hear an entirely different message. Uh, the crowds gathered to hear Jesus, as he proclaimed, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, you see, there, this is not an impersonal universe. It has a creator and there's a personal God at the center of it. And he is at work in this world, bringing in his eternal kingdom, a kingdom of blessing and salvation, not through politics or armies, or even our thoughts, but through his word. As Jesus revealed to his disciples, uh, as we looked in Mark chapter 4 earlier last week, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed to you. You see, the, the good news is this. It's a good news about Jesus being God's son. The good news is the instrument that God uses to establish a kingdom in the hearts of people who repent and believe. When I am fearful, when I feel overwhelmed by forces that, that threaten to destroy me, uh, my only hope is not found in myself, but in someone outside of myself who can rescue me. And this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. God sent a rescuer into the world. One who came to save us from our sin and shame and guilt. The one who has power to defeat all forces and powers that enslave us and that threaten to destroy us. The one who can bring us safely into his everlasting kingdom. And people get to know this Jesus through hearing God's word about him. Twice in chapter 4, Jesus commands, 
Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's why we have a big focus at Charlotte Chapel on reading and preaching the Bible. That's why we really would love all our members to be Bible sharers, to be those who are giving other people an opportunity to hear God's word so they too can be introduced to Jesus and put their faith in him so that they, their friends can experience forgiveness and salvation. Now we've learned last week as we looked at the parable of the sower that we will get lots of different reactions to the good news about Jesus as we share it with people. The soil of some hearts is hard. The soil of some hearts is shallow. The soil of some hearts is distracted. There are a variety of ways that people ultimately reject Jesus and his word. But we should not be discouraged and give up. Because despite rejection, there will still be a great harvest. That, that was the joyful end of that parable. The soil of some hearts is fruitful. There's going to be a bumper harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, as his word lands in the hearts of people who hear it and accept it. The kingdom of God grows in the world in this way, as people share the word of God with others, giving them an opportunity to also hear it and accept it. God's word does the work despite rejection. That's kind of what we learned last time. But there are two more parables about seed that Mark records in this chapter. He wants to teach us more of what the kingdom of God is like. So take another look at what was read earlier, the parable of the growing seed in verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how, all by itself. Uh, the, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, what does the farmer do? All he does is scatter the seed on the ground and then he goes on with the rest of his life. He's going to bed, getting up next day, doing a day's work and, you know, gets on with other things in the farm. And when he looks at the ground where he scattered the seed, what does he see? Nothing. Nothing much seems to be happening as the first few weeks go by. But all the while, the seed is working away, germinating and growing slowly and imperceptibly it grows until you start seeing a little leaf poking out the ground. What is doing this? It is the seed. Verse 28, all by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, I think this tells us something about the ministry of Jesus, as well as the pattern of gospel ministry. Let's just think about the ministry of Jesus. You see, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus is the farmer who came as the son of God into the world to sow the good news of the kingdom into people's lives. And then he made access possible into God's kingdom by his death upon the cross. Because only through his death is God's anger against our sins satisfied and our sins washed away and forgiven. And then like the farmer, through his death and resurrection uh, and ascension, he returned to the father's house. And there's a time of delay and absence. 
but the seeds he has scattered are still at work in people's lives. The good news about Jesus spreads from person to person and a day will come when a full harvest of transformed lives is ready to be harvested. And then Jesus will return to gather in the full harvest crop at the end of time as we know it. The sickle will come in, the harvest will be gathered in and all his kingdom will be seen in its complete glory. See, this parable is a picture of what the kingdom of God is like in the ministry of Jesus. But I also think this parable is true in gospel ministry today. Just think about gospel ministry. Um, the effects of God's word are not instantly obvious. There is delay. It takes time. And so we must not be discouraged at the apparent delay in seeing God's kingdom grow. I mean, when we work hard at studying and teaching the Bible or planting a church, when you've made all the effort to tell someone the gospel, you long to see instant responses. But the instant responses are seldom a good guide. The work of the word does take time. Whenever you read the Bible with your family after a meal and it's hard to get their attention, or when you're teaching children in a Sunday school ministry and all they're doing is squirming about and annoying each other and nothing appears to be really going in. When you give yourself to preaching and teaching God's word week in and week out and at the door you get very little reaction to the sermon and lives just seem to go untouched, it's hard not to be discouraged. But what will keep us going is the knowledge that despite delay, God is at work through his word. All by itself, uh, the parable says. The word underlying it is automatically. All of itself, automatically, quietly and unseen, the word is at work. It was great to have the opportunity to talk with Nikki and Chris and remember those times when all three brothers were very hard soil and deeply resented being brought to church as teenagers. But over many years, one by one, the great miracle happened. Hardened soil became good. Despite much delay and seemingly wasteful sowing of God's word in their lives, a harvest has come. In Mark Dever's book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, he recounts the story of Mr. Short, a New England farmer who lived to be 100 years old. Sometime in the middle of the 1700s, he was sitting in his field reflecting on his long life. And as he did, he recalled a sermon he heard preached as a boy in Dartmouth, England, before he sailed to America. And the horror of dying under the curse of God was impressed upon him as he meditated on the words he'd heard so long ago and he was converted to Christ. He was converted by a sermon preached by John Flavel that he heard 85 years earlier. <laughs> That's what the kingdom of God is like. God's powerful work does its work in people's lives, but for quite a while it can feel like nothing is going on. And then we have this third Seed parable, the parable of the mustard seed in verse 32. Take another look uh, at verse 30. Again, what, what should we say that the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches the birds can perch in its shade. See, at the time that Jesus first spoke these words, his kingdom did not seem very significant. I mean, there was Jesus, there was the 12 and, and a few others, a small, seemingly insignificant group of people. At the start, the kingdom of God looks like a proverbially small mustard seed, just a speck. 
But Jesus wanted his disciples to know that from this tiny mustard seed sized group would grow a great church that would spread out and provide shade and protection for many nations. The growth of the Christian church throughout the world is an incredible story. Today in the UK, of course, our churches are almost forgotten within our wider society. We're often seen as irrelevant, something that will soon completely disappear. But consider for a moment the extraordinary growth of Christianity in history. Today, Christianity is the largest religion in the world with 2.5 million followers. The Christian church is continuing to grow in significant ways in Africa and China and the Southern Hemisphere. And, you know, here we are in Edinburgh, a long way from the land of Israel, because people faithfully, generation after generation, have traveled and passed on the gospel, and it has spread all the way here and is spread all around the globe. What, what explains this remarkable growth? When Martin Luther, the great church reformer of the early 1500s, was asked how he achieved the huge impact of the Reformation across Europe, he said this, I simply taught preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. God's word does the work, despite rejection, despite delay, despite apparent insignificance. This is the secret of the mystery of the kingdom of God that is now clear to all who pay attention. Now, do we believe it? Do you believe it? Do I believe it? Jesus knows how slow of heart we are to believe. And so on that day, the day of all his teaching, he gave them a powerful illustration. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You know, on this day uh, where uh, he had taught about the power of his word, he was exhausted. It's exhausting work. He's fast asleep in the boat. A storm. They think they're going to die. They wake him up and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? What does he do? He got up rebuked the wind and the waves and say quiet be still and then the wind died down and it was completely calm and the men who were frightened because they believed they were going to die in the storm at the end of the story were utterly terrified by the sudden calm who is this even the wind and the waves obey him who who what sort of person can do this of course mark is pointing us to the identity of jesus this is the Son of God. This is God come in human flesh. Only God can still the seas and the stop the wind. It's also a, a picture of mini, uh, a mini picture of the mission work. He's come to be a savior. He had come to rescue sinful people through his death and resurrection. He is the outside power that we need. He's the one who can save us. But the discipleship lesson that they should have been in no doubt about at the end of the day was this. God's word does the work. What caused the change? His word. His word suddenly caused the storm to cease and everything to go calm. Such is the power of his word. And so, my friends, will we listen to Jesus? Uh, look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. 
Jesus' application is right here in the midsection of these parables. If you're not a Christian, but you're drawn to want to explore what it means to be a Christian, keep listening to Jesus. If you're saying, look, I, 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 I don't have faith, keep listening to Jesus. But my friends, uh, I wonder whether we're very slow to really believe in the power of his word. You see, if we really believe what we say we believe about his word, then we'll be those who'll give ourselves to Bible sharing with others. We want to share God's word with others. If we know that's where the power is. Will we be those who are looking to spread God's gospel word everywhere we can to all who will listen? Look at verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Let me just summarize this section of application. Jesus is saying this, use it or lose it. The good soil is the one that keeps on listening, keeps on receiving, keeps on obeying God's word. To such people, Jesus has so much more to teach. But if we repeatedly fail to listen to God's word, we will find that Jesus has less and less to say to us. Use it or lose it. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear.